Morning, church family. I uh, hope that you had a wonderful time of Christmas celebration with you and all of your family. I hope that you were able to um, just enjoy the, the time of food and fellowship, but also I hope that each and every one of you were able to spend some time pondering um, the birth of Christ um, over this past week. Um, I just wanted to say that I am very grateful for the opportunity to be with you all this morning. Um, it's, it's always a blessing to have the opportunity to, to give God's word and, and, and just ponder the things of God's word together with you. And so I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do this this morning. And I just, I just wanted to share something just briefly that the Lord displayed in my heart. To the, I, I had mentioned this at the Christmas Eve service briefly, and I had talked to our students about this. But I, I just wanted to mention that, um, you know, in a pandemic year, it could be very easy um, for things to be very different within a church and within a student ministry. And I, I am just so um, blown away by the Lord's mercy and his grace with our student ministry, but as our church as a whole, and just how we've have walked through this whole thing together and how we've been more unified than ever, I think, as a church, as a student ministry, and, and just seeing so many people rally around each other and care for one another throughout this entire past year. So thank you, church family, for rallying around our family and as a church together. And, and, and students, thank you for your continuing to be a great group and, uh, fe and fellowshipping well and engaging well together. Would you pray with me as we open up God's word? Lord, I thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Lord, we are, we are so blessed with the opportunity to meet freely together. Um, Lord, just to be able to open up your word, to sing songs of praise, to pray together, to fellowship with one another. Lord, I am thankful that you have brought me to this church to serve here. Lord, I'm so thankful for Eureka Bible Church. Uh, so, many, so many things that I could say, Lord, but I, I just, you know my heart, you know the things that, um, that, have, that have just been pressed upon me, that in just even thinking this morning of how much this church has meant to our family over these last few years. So thank you so much for this church family that you've unified us in this year, helped us walk through this pan these pandemic days together. And Lord, just continue to be with our church. Uh, allow us to go into the future in a way that glorifies your name. Lord, as we uh, dig into your word this morning, of the words of Paul, the words of your spirit, Lord, I pray that you will help us to uh, just think upon the things of your word in a way that they don't just go in one ear and out the other, but they actually are impressed on our hearts, leading us to action, leading us to encouraging one another, encouraging us to share the, your message, your gospel with others. Lord, thank you so much for this morning and allowing us to worship freely together. We pray this in your great and gracious name. Amen. If you, as you think about the world that we live in today, um, you, th you can think about a lot of the, uh, the topics of wisdom and power in our culture and, and kind of where those things lie, where people think of when they think of where can I find truth and wisdom, where can I find power for my life that we, that we so often seek for. And especially, I think, in this, this year, 2020, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of coming to the surface of how the world views where does truth and wisdom come from and where does power come from. And often, it's not any different when we read the scriptures, right? We see in the scriptures often people seeking wisdom and truth, seeking power in ways that are worldly and not godly. And so the question is, how do we respond to that as Christians? How do we respond to what we see in the world, how they're seeking truth, how they're seeking wisdom, how they're seeking power? How do we respond to that? Should we 
move, just allow ourselves to be kind of moved to the margins and be considered outdated and just kind of go on with our day? Should we respond by fully engaging and, and, and embracing the world and abdicating truth? Should we respond by hateful and forceful messages on social media? How should we respond? That's the question today. Where, the, the question of this morning's message is, where can we find that right kind of wisdom and power, and how do we respond to the way the world views those things? So if you'd open up your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. We'll be starting in verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Now, I want you to know, this is the beginning of the letter, the, the first of, of several letters that Paul wrote. Um, if you remember back, Pastor Aaron, when he preached through this sermon series, that we know of probably about at least four letters that were written from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And so this is the, one of the first ones that we have and that we have that are written that are part of the inspired word of God. Um, and so he begins his letter by greeting the people of, of Corinth and giving thanksgiving for the people of Corinth. Now, if we remember back to that series, there's a lot of problems in that church. But he does start the letter by thanking them for the things that are going well and thanking God for them and the testimony they have for Christ. And so he begins his letter with that. But then all the way, right right away, in verse 10, he jumps right to the divisions, right? There's problems, there's, there's things going on. So in verse 10 through 17, you see uh, Paul addressing the divisions that are happening in the church of Corinth and calling them out on that and, and telling them, um, that they need to move away from those things. And so in verse 17 is the transition in, into today's passage. Verse 17 reads, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And so what you see in this transition passage is that he's telling the people of Corinth, he is telling them that the preaching of Jesus in the cross is not about power, it's not about like eloquent speech. It's about the power and substance of the gospel, of the message, the words, the things that are, are important for us to know, not just how we say it, the way it comes across, and the power, the, the power behind it is not in our words. The power behind it is the actual words of the gospel, the actual things that the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. So when, we're, when I'm standing up here, when Pastor Aaron is standing up here, we may not be the most eloquent speakers. We, not, we, not, we may not have the, the skills of a Joe Osteen to be able to be, stand up here and preach and, with those type of things. But it's not about us, right? It's about the Holy Spirit working through his word to speak to us. Now, that doesn't mean that Pastor Aaron and I can just be lazy and get up here and say whatever we want, right? But it does mean that the power is behind the word of God, the Bible that's being spoken, the words of the Lord. And so it's not about eloquent wisdom or speech. It's about the preaching of the gospel. And so transitioning into today, we look at what is, where can we find that wisdom and power? It's through that gospel message. And so, you know, honestly, we, I have mentioned it before, but we, we've been, we live in kind of a pluralistic uh, society where all religions are considered equal. Um, how the, the, the talk is always when you see commercials and, and look, look around the world, we hear that, you, you just be you. You just be who you are. I'll be me. You be who you are. There's really not a lot of clarity in our world right now. A lot of confusion going on about what is truth? What is, where can we seek power? Where do we get power from? The world would tell us that the truth of the Bible, the gospel message are outdated, worthless, and can't stand up to philosophy, science, 
or any of the pluralism that we see around us. That's what the world tells us about, about Scripture and, those type of, and, and the things of the gospel message. And so Paul wants to remind the people in Corinth, he wants to remind us this morning that we can find power and wisdom in God and his message through the gospel. So let's go ahead and read. Uh, we're just going to read the first two verses of this section in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, if you'd follow along with me. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. So you see here, to non-Christians, to people that, that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel is foolishness. It's, it doesn't make sense. It's, it, we just disregard it. We don't need it. It doesn't make any sense to anybody. And in fact, back in the, even now, but back in the, in the days of, of the Roman Empire and, and early days of the church, talking about the crucifixion topic would, would not been a, have been brought up in civilized conversation. Because it's not something that you want to talk about, right? The crucifixion. But Paul is commenting here that eloquent speech attracted the Corinthians. They were looking for the right topic, the right way of saying it. But what he is saying here is, is that he is appealing to the fact that the cross is folly to them, but to us, what is it? It is the power of God. The message of the gospel is our power. We don't put our stock in anything else, right? We put our stock in the gospel. And so what we see here is that the world and our message are butting heads. There's, there's a difference. The world thinks that we can't stand up to science philosophy or the pluralistic religions of the world. We can't stand up to any of that because our, their, their understanding of our beliefs is folly. They, think, they see it as folly and foolishness. And so the question is, is what do we do with that? They, they believe it that way. They see it that way. They don't see any eternal power. They don't see any, any wisdom in what we believe. So what, what do we need to do? Again, I mentioned there's different ways that other people have tried. We can fully embrace that and, and push away truth. We can hide in the corner. But what, the, what Paul is telling us here is that we need to stand with God. He quotes there from Isaiah 29, 14, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. In that passage in, in Isaiah, it supports the idea that, that God will overcome and he will destroy man's wisdom. That man's wisdom cannot stand up to what God teaches us, what, what God's wisdom is through his word. And so we, we need to be willing to engage the world in their viewpoints. We need to listen to them and know what they believe about wisdom and about power. But that doesn't mean we abdicate to it. We don't run away from it. We stand up to it because we know that God's wisdom is better than man's wisdom. And that's what this passage is teaching us. And ultimately, we will see a fulfillment of this. If you were to read Revelation 17, 14, we see that ultimate fulfillment in the last days when Christ will set up his kingdom. When all of man's wisdom will be set aside, will be destroyed, will be pushed aside, and that God's power and his wisdom will come to the forefront in, in, the, in the end days. It, it refers to that in Revelation 17, 14. So we see here in these two verses a reminder to us that we are going to expect in the world, the people that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, that do not have that relationship, we know that they are going to see our message of the gospel as foolishness, as folly. But that doesn't mean we stop sharing it with them. It doesn't mean that we 
abdicate and run away from it. It doesn't mean that we fully embrace it and push away truth. We must be willing to stand on God's truth. There's only really two ways we can go here, right? When we see the, the, the budding of the heads and the messages here, there's really there's no middle ground here. Either God's message of the gospel is true or it's not. And so what he is telling us here is that the power of God is what, is what we need to stand on. We are saved by that. We are transformed. We are new creations. We have Christ's righteousness. We have the power that we need, and we need to stand on that. And one of the things I think we need to be reminded of today is that the gospel message isn't just a one-time, a one-day thing. The gospel message is an everyday thing for us. We need to remind ourselves every single day of the message of the cross because it is our power. It is, we're fickle people, right? Even as Christians, we are fickle. We are going to sin. We're going to struggle. So we need to remind ourselves day after day after day of the message of the gospel. It will keep us connected to Christ. It will keep us being able to stand strong in this world that sees our gospel message as foolishness and folly. We need to be willing to stand on the gospel message and remind ourselves of that day after day. So whose wisdom and power is it really? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the power of God through the salvation of the gospel message. That's where wisdom and truth and power come from. And what is that message? What is the depth of the message of the gospel? Let's look at what Paul writes further on in this passage. We'll start in verse 20 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preached to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So we see here in this passage very clearly that there is a difference of opinion between God and the world. And he asks these rhetorical questions here of basically kind of temporary, where, what's going to happen with the temporary worldly wisdom that we see around us? Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? What has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? He's asking these questions as rhetorical questions, as almost some sarcasm, is who's going to stand up to God's wisdom? Who's going to be able to do that? I've already won this. I'm, I am the one that has wisdom. I am the one that provides power. Nobody else can do that. And so you see that here in this passage, that, that Paul is really trying to get to us to understand that nothing can stand up to the wisdom and power that he can provide. Because look, we know, even in our own hearts, even us as Christians, we know that it's very easy to get pulled by the world, to get pulled by power in this area and truth in this area, right? It's easy for us to do that. Maybe it's our political candidate or our favorite news source or maybe it's our, our book on racial re reconciliation that we think that will help us to understand fully what's going on, that we have the answer, right? We think that we can find truth where we want to, but we must continually push ourselves back to where the real truth is, which is in his word. Because 
We can try to be wise in ourselves, but this, these rhetorical questions remind us where the real wisdom and truth comes from, where the power comes from, and it comes from God alone. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, again, because they see it as foolishness and folly, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And I, I just want us to be reminded this morning of the fact of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Because the world sees all that stuff as foolishness and folly. So how can that person be transformed? It's through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit working in a person's heart to regenerate them, to allow them to have the blinders taken off, that foolishness and folly be taken off in order so they can receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. It has to be the work of the Lord Jesus Christ it, because they, they can't see past their own sin. They can't see past their own blindness. The Holy Spirit has to do the work in order to save the person to allow them to be regenerated and become that new creation. So the world's wisdom is blinded to the truth of God and his gospel. Think about it. Jesus did all those miracles. He did all, those, all that great teaching of wisdom, and yet people still rejected him. And still today, all the works that the Lord is, is doing, all the teachings from his word that are here, many people in this world still reject because they are blinded by their own pride and expectations. Because look here, in, in, in verse 22, the Jews demand signs, the Greeks seek wisdom. So they are seeking these different things in order to understand who God is or try to understand who they're going to believe. Think about the Jewish people. All the different signs that they were, were shown by Jesus when he was living on this earth. All those different signs, and yet they still rejected him. The Greeks, they were constantly seeking wisdom. What did Paul do in, Rome, in Acts chapter 18 at, 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 the, uh, at Mars Hill? He taught in a way that, saw, that showed them wisdom, right? And they still, many of them rejected it. They still saw it because they were blinded. And I want you to think about today, what is it that you are seeking? Are you seeking power and wisdom and truth through the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you dabbling in the world some for those things? Where are you really trying to seek and find wisdom and truth and power? Where are you trying to find it? That's the question you should ask yourself this morning. And I pray that you will allow the Lord and the Spirit to really soften your heart to some of the areas where you need to, to work better at uh, really understanding where those things come from, where true wisdom and, and power come from. You have to understand that the crucified Jesus was very offensive to the Jews. I mean, could you, could you, think, of, can you think about that, that in, in the story of Jesus' death and resurrection? The, the crucifixion, their Messiah was supposed to come in power. I mean, I even think about in the story of the birth of Jesus. I was, we were watching the Nativity story last night, the movie about the birth of Christ. And in there, there was a, a, a moment that I had never thought of before. And I don't know if he actually said this or thought this, but Herod in the movie, when he is telling the people to go and try to seek out where the Messiah was, they were saying, go to Bethlehem and find a powerful people, to ever, person that everybody will follow. They were looking for a David. They were looking for somebody like that. They weren't looking for a baby in a manger. Herod was not looking for a baby in a manger. And that's because the world seeks wisdom and power in a different way. They weren't looking at a humble baby coming as the Messiah, who, would, who will come back again as the conquering king, but at that time came as, as a baby in, the, in swaddling cloths. And so 
the idea of the birth of Jesus, the idea of crucifixion, the Jewish people were not looking for that. They, that was not the type of Messiah they were looking for. Um, and the Greeks, again, were looking we're not looking at, at a, a Messiah or a person that they would consider to be God as, as a carpenter's son, right? They weren't looking at somebody like that as doing that. And so they were seeking wisdom. They were seeking out somebody that was really smart and intellectual and could, and could like debate all their guys, and which Jesus did sometimes when he was here on earth. But they were, both the Jews and the Greeks were looking for somebody different. They weren't looking for this type of person to follow. So you see in this passage, in verse 23, which is I think is the the linchpin of this whole passage. For the Jew, after the Jews had demanded their signs, the Greeks seek their wisdom. But what do we do? We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But we preach Christ crucified. That's what we preach. I think of the story that H.B. Charles tells of a church in Philadelphia the church in Philadelphia had this very verse across the top of their building. It read, but we preach Christ crucified. In that, as time went on, some of the, the, the vines started to come down across the building, and they grew down and grew down, and, and to the point where at one point it said, but we preach Christ, and the crucified got covered. After a few more years, the vines came down some more, and all it says is that, but we preach. And what H.B. Charles says in that story is that's often what we do in our Christian faith or in our churches to where over time those things erode. The teaching of Christ erodes and it becomes more about entertainment. It becomes more about getting people in the door and less about preaching Christ crucified. Now, I am so I feel so blessed to be able to stand in this pulpit because Pastor Aaron stands up here Sunday after Sunday and he preaches Christ crucified. This church preaches Christ crucified and I am so thankful for that. But if we were able, ever able, if we ever became people that stopped doing that, you need to stop us immediately. We, we need to keep preaching Christ crucified in this pulpit, in our ministries and all the things that we do as a church. We must preach Christ crucified. For the young people, especially those that are getting closer to graduating, if you are considering, if you're, not, if you're going to be going away from here, if you're not going to be attending church here in the future as you um, grow up and have your own families and those type of things, make sure that you attend a church that preach Christ crucified. Be in a church that makes the gospel the center of everything they do in their preaching and in their ministries, because that is so very important that we must preach Christ crucified. In verse 24, but to, but to those of you who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so I like that word that he uses there, that idea of called, which if you were to go to Romans chapter 8 and look at what we call the ordo salutis or the order of salvation, it, uses, it talks about being called as being one of the, the first parts of our, our salvation, the journey of salvation. And so, and, and the idea of being called is what I used the word a little bit ago called regeneration, which is the, the part where basically the Holy Spirit takes the blinders off and allows us to see the glory of the gospel. He calls us to a relationship with him. And so, but to those who are called, so you see that there are both Jews and Greeks, because look, both Jewish people and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles are all being saved by the Christ crucified message. 
It is, so Christ is both to the Jews and the Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So there it is again, a reminder to us that gospel is our power, that gospel is our wisdom and truth. We must stand on that. We must not abdicate on that. In verse 25, he says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And that is just a reminder to us that the world has an idea of what wisdom and and power are. It really does. We've talked about that already this morning. But none of that can compare to what we have through the Lord Jesus Christ and his message of the gospel. We must stand on that because it is our power. It is our wisdom. Sometimes it may not feel like that. Sometimes it may be a struggle and the, the world's tugging at us. But we must remind ourselves day after day of the power of the gospel, Christ crucified. So many of us in this world, many people in this world, even some Christians, put their stock in temporary and worldly wisdom and, 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 and items of this world. So are you still this morning living like the Jews and the Greeks that you're seeking signs and you're seeking wisdom? Maybe it's uh, the, the gods that you have fashioned in your life that you think that can bring satisfaction. Because honestly, as Christians this morning, we must stand on the crucified Savior Jesus. We celebrated his birth this week, but what did he come to do? He came to live the perfect life, to die on the cross, to rise again on the third day, so that we could be saved from our sins, so that we can have eternal life. That is the gospel message. That is what we must stand on. He does provide us with ultimate truth. He has provided us the signs of who he is. And his word and his life on this earth show us the wisdom and power that we can stand on. We need to be all in in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian artist Flame says this, You are now driven from within to wean yourself from the perverted pleasures of this world with the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to please God above all else by understanding and living out the truth that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We can walk in the newness of life infused by the grace of and power of the Holy Spirit. We must stand on the message of Christ crucified. The last part of this passage that we're going to look at today is starting in verse 26, if you would read with me. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We can, we can see all throughout Scripture stories of God's chosen instruments. And we know all the stories of those that were not considered people that would be powerful or have wisdom in the world, right? We think of Moses' speech confidence and Davis, David being the least of the brothers who was, ended up being in the lineage of Jesus. We think about in that day and age how women weren't considered powerful or having any place in the culture, but we see how Jesus 
lifted women up in the way that he had in all those stories with Mary's anointing for burial or the women coming, the one being the one to proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. We see so many times that what the world views as chosen instruments is very different from the way Jesus views it. And so there is great power in the message of the gospel. It's not necessarily always in looking at the, who the people are, but it's the message. Often the people who proclaim the gospel are not prominent in the world's eyes. So we must look in our own lives, deeply in our own lives, about how does the Lord Jesus Christ want to use us as his chosen instruments. So let's look at closely at a couple of these verses. In verse 26, he says, For consider your calling, which we had mentioned just a few moments ago, and that we've been called, we've been regenerated by the Lord Jesus Christ. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of no- noble birth. So there may be some of you this morning that think that the Lord Jesus Christ can't use you, especially if you're younger uh, and you may think that the Lord can't use you because of this or that, this, this excuse, that excuse. Maybe it's because of past sin. Maybe it's because you don't really feel like you have any gifts, whatever it may be. But this is a reminder to us that the Lord uses what the world may see as not powerful, not of noble birth, not a anything according to worldly standards that the Lord wants to use you. He wants to use all of us for his gospel message to go forward. So we do not need to make excuses. We need to engage the world and build relations with the world, but understand that our allegiances and message will bring. That sometimes, even though we don't think we can do it, the message is there. The message has already been given to us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us as Christians. So we don't need to fear the world. We don't need to fear that the world views us as not being of any stock, that we're not anything worthy of being able to share this message, because we are. Every one of us has a role because we are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been saved by Christ crucified. It's been a normal pattern in the history of of salvation, that God has chosen those that the world consider foolish and weak. So why did he do that? He gives us the answer right here, right? Why did he do that? Why did he choose those type of people? Verse 27, but God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. There's the first one. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Because he wanted to humble those that think that they are wise, that think they have the right answers, that think they have the power. One of the ways he does that is by using those the world wouldn't see as that to shame them. Now, it's not like a, like a just going after those type of people. It's, it's, it's a seriousness of the humbling that God does, the work of humbling that God does. And he wants humble, dependent, totally dependent people on him. So he shames the, the strong and shames the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. We just mentioned that too. It's the, the weak and the, and the strong. God shows in verse 28 what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So not only does he want to shame the wise, what else does he want to do? It says there he does not want anyone to be able to boast in the presence of God. Because it's not about us, right? The gospel message is not about us. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified and the things that he has done for us. It's not about us. We need to humble ourselves. We need to put ourselves in total dependence to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to do that. And so one of the reasons that he chose what the world would see as foolish and weak was to shame the strong and the, weak and, the, and the wise. And the second one was to allow us to have total dependence on him, 
humble ourselves that we, the message isn't about us. This world is not about us. It's all about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. One of the fun things that we do as our community group is we always ask Jacob Cernick's favorite question, be honest with your group. We always ask that question. So I want to close this morning by saying, be honest with yourself. We're not going to do a group thing here, but be, be, be honest with, your, with yourself this morning in these questions. Think about these things. How often do you feel foolish and weak as a Christian in the world around you? How often do you feel that way? I say, behold the Lamb of God, Christian brother and sister in Christ, take hope in the eternal power and wisdom that comes in the crucified and risen Savior. Even in those days when you just feel beaten down and the world is telling you that you're, you're foolish and weak, remind yourself of the Lamb of God who is crucified and risen for you. How often do you feel like the Lord cannot use you because of your past? Because of your past sins, you don't have gifts, of your deep struggles, that you just feel like the Lord cannot use you. Again, brother and sister in Christ, behold the Lamb of God. And remember that God has called you to a relationship. He has put his Holy Spirit in you so that you can do a work for him. There are people in your life that the Lord Jesus has specifically put in your life so that you can share with them. So, Use your gifts and abilities and use your calling to have a deeper relationship with Christ, but also to share it with the people around you. He wants you to be used. He wants you to share this great gospel message of of Christ crucified with those around you. So please do that. Because of the crucified Savior, we are able to receive the very best wisdom wisdom there is, and that is the wisdom of God. Christ's righteousness placed upon us, right? We now have not only our sins taken away, but we also have Christ's righteousness put on us. Because of the crucified Savior, we have Christ's righteousness. We also have redemption from sins, right? It says all these things right here at the end. Wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, all those things listed there. We have been given all of those things because of, of the crucified Savior that we worship. What should this lead us to do? The last verse, as the, in verse 31. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We are called to put all of our dependence, all of our life, in boasting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we do is boasting in him. All wisdom, all truth, all power come from him alone. We asked the question, one of the questions we asked at the beginning was, how do we respond to the world around us that views wisdom, power, and truth differently than we do? Often we go to the two extremes. This is something that Russell Moore talks about. It's, it's, there's two extremes, right? We can go the inward focus, where we just kind of just come cluster together in our own church and kind of push out the world and don't have anything to do with them anymore. We have the kind of outward type of way where we basically fully embrace the world and abdicate truth and push it away. So we could take the inward focus, we could take the outward focus. But what Russell Moore says the scripture says we should do is take the forward focus, which is the idea that we, it, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. So we don't abdicate truth. But at the same time, we also engage the world. We are part of it. We talk about things. We listen 
and we allow the, the message of the gospel and the crucified Christ to go forward. We don't go inward, we don't go outward, but we go forward. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this morning and opportunity to gather with my brothers and sisters in Christ and share the word together. Lord, I pray that we, uh, all of us in this room, have been challenged this morning by the importance of the message of the Christ, you, Lord Jesus Christ, as being crucified. Lord, I'm so thankful that you didn't stay in the grave. Lord, that you came out of the grave after three days, rose again to, to finish the work of our salvation. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room this morning that does not have a personal relationship with you, that you will draw them to this message, that they will desire to want to, to begin a journey, a relationship with you that is eternal, that's long-lasting, that is true wisdom, that is true power. Lord, I pray that you will continue to work into the heart of the believers in this room, Lord, that they will desire to not be thwarted by um, the things of this world, that they will understand that they can be engaged in this world without abdicating truth, without being ugly and mean, but, Lord, that we will desire to really listen and talk and really allow your spirit to work through us as we share the message of you crucified to the people of this world, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much for what you have, have challenged us with this morning, Lord, and I pray that we will go from here and take these things from your word and put them into practice in our life. We pray all these things in your great and gracious name. Amen.